it under 100. Folks, welcome back to the Keep It Under 100 podcast. I'm your host, Dan Slater. Also with me, as usual, well, except for last week, back. co-host AJ. Welcome back. Thank you for uh, having me back as the co-host. Oh, so you got a little mix-up with the uh, the time zone time that you were in. And, yeah, time zones, a lot of uh, drinking. It was. It would have been a disaster if I had phoned in anyway, so mm-hmm. it was probably best I wasn't there. Okay. Uh, excuse the uh, my voice today. I promise I don't have COVID. Uh, also joining us, a fellow former degenerate, uh, Frank Camfer. Gookie, Before. how's it going? Glad to have have me here. Glad you're we glad are, to we have you here. here. We are glad to have you. Okay. <laughs> glad to be here. All right. Well, first off, before we get into uh, the degenerate stuff, we got a couple things to cover in the golf world because I couldn't really be more excited than I am right now for this Ryder Cup. Yeah, you got your boner pants on, so I do. Um, but before that, I don't know if you guys got stuck sucked into the golf last week at all. Like during that uh, Chargers. What was it Chargers and Cowboys game? I actually flipped it off for a little while because I got sucked into Max Homa's third victory at the Fortinet. The Fortinet Fort, Championship. Fortinet, Fortinet, whatever it is. I have no clue. What it, is. it looks like Fortinet either way. It's in Napa. It's in Napa, California. Max Homa got his third win. Hold out on like the twelfth hole to take the lead. Shot uh, five under. Right? Shot five under on the last seven holes to win. Mav McNeely. Had an awesome shank on like the 16th hole. Was McNeely rocking a mustache too? I didn't watch. He was not. Oh, but Max Homa had a yeah, mad, yeah, mad mustache. Stash. Anyway, that was it was enjoyable. The back nine, they were both hitting a lot of good putts. I think Max Homa drained like six, like five foot par putts in a, in a row at some point in the middle of the round before he holed out and then just went on a heater on the back nine. To be honest, I didn't watch any of it. I was at a wedding, so. Yeah, negative amounts of TV watched. He had the lead, and then McNeely made a double on 17. 16 or 17, he made double. And Homa made birdie on 17, and then it was par 5, 18th. He made par, ended up with like a three-shot lead at that point. And then, of course, uh, Matt McNeely makes an eagle to close out the day and lose by one. Shouldn't have doubled. No, I agree. Anyway, Ryder Cup. They just finished the opening ceremonies. They have the first round matchup set. But before we get into those, I have just a shitload of stats that I've been reading. I've just been on a Twitter download. You're basically this stat boy. En- yeah, the Twitter download <laughs> this entire week on all these crazy Have you stats. been getting any work done this week or just writing down stats? I've actually been got a lot of, a lot of work done this week. But uh, in between meetings, free time, you know, you just random stats pop up all week. So you're just gonna like rattle off stats tomorrow? We're gonna talk about well, the golf g- games first. Yeah, that's fine. Let's do that. Let's do state of the game first. Let's talk about how much golf you haven't played. I have played no golf in three weeks. <laughs> it is sad. I thought about trying to get out this week, but it's been raining for about fifty straight hours here in southeast Michigan. Yeah. And I tried the golf wells in Nashville and it also rained. So there's a course right across from my hotel. I was going to walk there, rent Dude, clubs. I was going to go 18. I had nothing to do in the morning. And it was pouring. Could have done Aaron. She was gone. She was the maid of honor. She left at 8 a.m. <laughs> I had tea time for 7. Woke up this downpour. So, so, you, so you haven't played in a month. And you don't ish. have golf lined up this weekend. Not this weekend because we have Ryder Cup. Uh-huh. We have the Lions game. But I'm going to get out uh, probably a couple times during the week next week. I got Friday off next week and the following Monday. So some uh, some 
early fall golf going to be happening here. Okay. Uh, maybe, didn't think it was possible, that someone played even less golf than you. <laughs> When's the last time you played golf? What's golf? <laughs> uh, I haven't played since the, uh, the, the, the Slater Cup. So end of July. Yeah. So you haven't so. played since end of July. That is miserable. I Basically, think... if I went out there, I'd, it, it, my state of my game would be the, the normal still. Like, <laughs> yeah. even, even when I'm playing readily, it's probably the same state of my game. I don't think I could do that. I couldn't even tell you the last time I went. What is that? That's two month months. and a half, two months. I don't know the last time I went two months without playing golf. Yeah, but especially you. you I mean, you, now you you go at least once a week to a range in the winter as well. Yeah, I we like... golf once a week in the winter sometimes. If oh yeah. There's no snow. I uh, did I play twice last weekend? I don't this know. Guy golf so much he forgets. You know, yeah, these, I don't even know. These I conditions know I... right now are right for me to. Uh, my approach be just short on like the run up to the green and then just that huge chunk. <laughs> with the, <laughs> a little wet line. Yeah, just, just a huge nice chunk. Beaver, just, nice yeah. beaver pelt ball goes three feet. In dry conditions, this guy takes the biggest divots. <laughs> right. Give him a little moisture and he's yeah. he's residing the entire green. I have an outing tomorrow out at Lynx and Novi and I called them today just to see what kind of shape the course was going to be in. I've never done an outing. Where it was mushy? Well, they said the range will be open. But it's going to be strict cart path only. Never done an outing cart path only you before. You thought outings took a long time right, before exactly, that. Exactly. So I'm probably going to miss most of the Ryder Cup tomorrow, so I'm going to have to be playing it on my phone. Uh, and then I have the, like I talked about last week, uh, I have the Mitten Tour Championship 36-hole event on Sunday. So there's zero Ryder Cup. You're not even, are you even a fan of golf? <sighs> it's, if it wasn't, if it, they didn't have this alternate shot format, in this mint tour thing, I probably wouldn't have played it, but I might even go into a media blackout and just record all six hours of the singles coverage. It's gonna then... be impossible. You'll be checking stats on your phone. I won't check the stats. You have to, you have to I'll, shut my, I'll shut right my now. phone off. Uninstall Twitter. Right Guy's now. never been more excited for this Ryder Cup. Two days he's not even watching. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty bad. Anyway, all right. So let's get into the Ryder Cup. We got uh, Whistling Straits hosting. If you look, I mean, the U.S. is pretty much always been favored but like we talked about they're two and seven in the last nine in the yeah. last nine they have the i have a whole mess of these strokes gained to statistics but we don't need to go into all of them basically it breaks down to the u.s has the advantage in every statistical category according to strokes gain and it's the i mean big, they usually do every year no they usually do and they are two and seven but this is also the biggest gap in total strokes gained since they started keeping the stats. So they have a overall the entire team they have a 0. Point, they have a 0. .371 stroke gain advantage. So basically over 18 holes they're gaining almost a stroke every 3 holes. Yeah. Or more than a stroke every 3 holes. So we'll get into predictions and everything, but um it's the granddaddy of them all. Throw the stats out the window. Right. You would think, but at to a point, like you would think at some point that the stats like have to matter, right? Like how many times can Europe just play so far above their heads? I mean, it's like you said. You, it looks like it should line up to be this absolute smoke fest. Yeah, but it's probably going to be a nail biter and be interesting. I mean, and I understand all weekend. I understand it's still match play, and you know anything can happen, hole to hole, but. You would think with that many matches, you know, over the course of the weekend, that 
you know, the, the talent disparity, it's got to matter at some point. You know, I'm curious uh, how much, like, you know, when I used to do uh, daily fantasy lineups, right, for, for majors, I would pay attention to major history or course history. But, you know, what's your opinion on, on factoring that in for something like this? Are you... Did well, you read anything on people looking back at you know performances at Whistling Straits or uh, people? There are stats out there for it, but like for me, some, a tournament that happened five years ago doesn't hold much bearing on how they're going to play this week. It's more about course fit. So like, Data Golf does all these statistics for strokes gained on course fit, and it lines up with the stats that give you the biggest mm-hmm. advantage on a course like this, specifically on this course. And it takes that into account. And the U.S. just top to bottom has an advantage. Outside, like, obviously, Rom, Rory, Hovland, Sergio, they're all up there in strokes gained off the tee, which is a huge factor on this golf course. But the rest of that team is, there's a few guys that are outside the top 100. Yeah, a little lackluster. And they're also, not the, they're also not the putters that they usually are, statistically. But then you have guys like Sergio, who's never been a good putter, but all of a sudden he gets in the Ryder Cup and, and he can putt. I'm curious to see how Bryson plays, because obviously this course is was yeah. designed for. Yeah, I'm. It, he's done it to himself, but like he's going to have a lot of questions to answer if he doesn't play well this week. Like with all the, so he's doing that all the speed training. He's been doing two a day speed yeah, training. Yeah, he's going right into the. He's long going right drive to the long drive Monday. But I mean, he claims that. He's been working on his wedges this whole time, so it, it shouldn't matter, and he's been training hard for the Ryder Cup. So that's fine. But if you come into this and then you don't drive it well, like, you're doing it to yourself. Like, you're going to have to answer those questions. It's like, well, did you not really care about this? Because Yeah, you... well, then it goes back to Brooks's point of, like, them USA not really caring as much as Europe. And then, so, do event say if USA loses... Somehow. That is catastrophic. They're gonna have to like they do, do you, cancel. Do you think they they retool how they just instead of picking they're gonna have the best to. people? They just go like, All right, we need to make a cohesive team now. They have to, they'll have can, to revisit. Actually, enjoy this. They'll have to revisit the entire process. Because you it, statistically, you can't give yourself a bigger advantage than they have with the team that they have, the course that they chose, and I don't know. You know, one of, one of the factors I think that's at least, you know, a positive that I, I'm trying to extrapolate from it was like, if you go back to 2018, right, Europe won like 17 to 11, and who was Europe's best golfer was Molinari. Molinari he had like Fleetwood. five points or whatever. Yeah. But you look at his 2018, he was on fire. Right. So I'm looking at Cantley, who's, you know, just hopefully he's, keeps in the form. And, yeah. he, you know, he he's successful in his... Well, that's the parents. thing is like, a lot of the times you pick the guys that are that are hot coming in, the U.S. didn't even have to do that because, like, the top 12 were the hottest golfers yeah. that they could have picked. So you have a lot of guys that are in form. Like, like JT's been struggling with his putting, but, like, the Tour Championship in the tournament before that, he actually gained, like, two strokes or something putting for the first time in, like, two months or something like that. So all of a sudden, JT's putting comes around. He's always one of the best ball strikers. All of a sudden, he becomes extremely dangerous, and he's playing with speed who has had a great year. And plus those two mesh well together yeah. and play well with each other. So well, I'll get to that for one of my bets, but um, I think they have a good chance to play all four matches together, especially if they start off hot. But going back to your comments that about Brooks for a second, so 
Brooks had a, he is the cover of Golf Digest this month, and he had an interview in there where they asked him specifically about the Ryder Cup. And it, it, there's a bunch of stuff in here, but it's basically, it's different, it's hectic, it's a bit odd, if I'm honest. I don't want to say it's a bad week. We're just so individualized. Everybody has their routine and different way of doing things. And now it's like, okay, we have to go to this meeting, we have to do this, and we have to go do that. It's the opposite of what happens in a major week. Well, he just likes to do nothing unless it's a major. Right. He said he he says a lot of stuff about like he missed you know getting to take his naps in between rounds and going to the gym and decompress. And it's I know how bad all that stuff sounds. Like I was pissed when I read it all. It's like, come on, man. You know how many golfers, especially American golfers, would kill to play in this event? Yeah, give me Kevin now for Brooks Koepka right now. No, because <laughs> so I listened to his uh, his uh, media interview today it might have been from it was from yesterday and they asked him specifically about that because uh paul azinger had comments about it he did like a serious xm interview and he was like well if he doesn't love it he should relinquish his spot and get someone in there who does love it which fine with that comment obviously if he doesn't want to be there he doesn't have to be there but um listening to brooks's interview today and you could just say he was trying to spin it but he's like, I said it was different. I didn't say it was bad. He's like, I love being here. I love this event. You know, it's a lot of fun playing these tournaments. It's just different. It takes up a lot of your time. Like, I didn't even bring my physio this week because I don't really have time to do that. Whatever. But I think what this is going to turn into is, and he he says it like four times in the interview. He says, you guys spun it negatively. <laughs> he says that like to the media like four times. And granted, he did it to himself. But I think this is going to turn into Brooks like, turning this into a chip on his shoulder, and he's about to go, like, 4-0 this week. Guys, Aaron Rodgers. They're, they're yeah. like, the same type of, you know, it's so different uh, with the media. And, you know, it sounds so different than the, the normal speak from people that, yeah. you know, it comes off that way and things like that. But for, for the average person, like, you or I, we don't quite understand exactly what they do every week, whereas, you know, our, our golf trips are just... yeah. Food, drink, and golf, and yeah, they're definitely drinking a lot and stuff like that. So during our Slater Cup, you know, we, but I don't know. It's it's almost like it. It's just like Brady, like how Brady always goes back to the one pick one ninety nine. Like they're the the great athletes are always trying to kind of create their own chip, always kind of trying to create that little extra piece of motivation. And I wonder if like maybe he just did that for himself. Like I know the the He's, Golf Digest interview is. It's mistimed, right? Like he probably when did he he probably did that interview months ago, for that. Oh, 100%. and then it, and then it just happened to come out like this week. But, I mean, he's had a history of just not he had the nonchalant, non-caring attitude. That not all of a sudden he's going to have his chip on his shoulder. But at the same, no but way. at the but same time, he puts he, his foot in his mouth all the time. I know, but at the same again, at the same, in that same interview, he says how he just wants to win no matter what, and he said that multiple times in majors where he just wants to beat the other guy. Well, no shit. And where where where's the pinnacle of just beating the other guy? The Ryder Cup. So I agree that he's talking out of both sides of his mouth, but I think, you know, right or wrong, I think he's kind of created his own extra motivation this week. So cool. I'm, I'm now expecting a big week out of Kepka, as long as he's not hurt. Golf is so interesting because you, you got a guy like Brooks Kepka who's openly said, you know, I only care about the majors and stuff like that. And those are the toughest courses. And obviously the prize pool is the most money. But then, like, you would think... You know, as a working individual, like you could just go go to the Hawaii, go to that out open, and it'd be easy money for you. And it just right, it doesn't work for them. Yeah. 
It's interesting. I agree. So we talked about Bryson. We talked about Brooks. I don't even think we need to talk about their interaction. I don't know if you saw that this week. They had like this random interaction on the range, which could have been so planned. Who knows? But I don't really give a shit if they, they don't have to get along. No. You can have people on any team that don't get along. It doesn't matter. I, I don't... I still think that a lot of their their feud is more fabricated right. now, like you had mentioned. I'm actually now on your side of it. It's more fabricated. For sure. But I would love to see them play together just to see how it would... I, I mean, they're both good enough that they could overcome It's just any... so unnecessary. They don't need to do it. This is... They need to win this. Like, they can't be messing around with something stupid like that. But Bryson said something, because they, t- they talked about how they had dinner together in the team room, like, this week. Just them two or the team? The whole team. And Bryson said something like, yeah, we're working on something fun, but that's all I'm going to say about that right now. And they asked Brooks about that, and he was basically like, I didn't hear what he said, so but I don't know what he's talking about. So everybody's now assuming that... They're getting paired together. No, no, no. Everyone's now assuming that they're going to announce uh, the match, the next match, is going to be Brooks and Bryson. Because they're doing one the day after Thanksgiving. And Phil said on a podcast with uh, Gary Williams that he's not playing in it. He's going to be, like, announcing. Interesting. So be, We'll get to that later. Yeah, I think we're going to end up off track here. If right. We're a little off track. A but potential anyway, match. I don't care about Brooks and Bryson. And Let's get I'm, to the pairings. And honestly, I'm tired of seeing all these videos about the Europeans smiling and talking about how how, Victor clo- looks. How, clo- how close they all are. Like, I don't care. You know what? You're about to get your ass beat. How about that? Uh, another strokes gain, because I know I've seen a couple things about how, oh, if the weather picks up, this is going to be a lot more like a European Ryder Cup. Well, in every facet of, the, this was on Golf Channel last night, uh, strokes gained in weather conditions. So 0 to 5 miles an hour, 5 to 10, 10 to 25. And uh, ten and ten to twenty five with temps between fifty and seventy five degrees, the U.S. has more than a four stroke advantage in every one of those categories. Again, on paper, USA should go. Just to another time. example. That's what I'm saying. A uh, couple random stats about the first session before we get into the pairings. So, oh, and then so this is to the effect of uh, experience and age on the U.S., kind of turning of the tides with... Your notes are just all right. You just see something, you're just talking, and Phil, I like it. Phil and Tiger not being on the team anymore. This is from Justin Ray. Uh, the team with less experience has won five of the last six U.S. Uh, or five of the last six Cups. This year, it's the U.S. Sergio has as many points in the Ryder Cup as the whole U.S. team. <laughs> Like in history of this yeah. cup, uh, crazy stat here. If Europe wins, it'll be the eighth win on a eighth team win for that a team Westwood has been on, which would tie Billy Casper for the most all time. This is Westwood's eleventh Ryder Cup. Jeez, Tiger played in seven and has one win. And then uh, so that's a, that's the most that's the wildest that Tiger's been in seven of them has one win. Right. So first session, how important is the first session? Also from Justin Ray. Since 1979, the home side has led after the first session of the Ryder Cup six times. All six times they won the Cup. Not so. Yeah. Good bet that if the home team wins the opening session, a little, a little live action. Exactly. <laughs> um, and then I was reading some quotes about the course. Like everyone talks about how in France in 18. 
that they set up the course like so tight with such thick rough that it kind of negated the U.S.'s distance advantage. So, in and it's the opposite of 16 where Justin Rose had a quote in an interview or something how he said the pins were just like pro-am pins, like all the pins were in the center of the greens mm-hmm. and they were just trying to turn it into a birdie fest because the U.S. made more birdies. Um, so there was a quote from Paul Azinger, who was the captain in 2008 at Valhalla, and they did a statistical analysis on how many guys carried the ball 300 yards, and then they brought in like a strategist and the course designer to set the tees up exactly 300 yards from the back edge of these bunkers so that the longer hitters could easily carry them. Mm-hmm. And then the shorter hitters, they made the rough shorter short of those bunkers. So, like, the shorter hitters, <laughs> if they missed the bunkers, would still have a good chance in. So it's just stuff like that. And they actually cut two big tree limbs down because J.B. Holmes hit a cut, and there was two big tree limbs blocking the one side of the fairway to, to hit that cut. So they ended up cutting down two huge tree limbs. So obviously there's no trees at Whistling Straits, but you're going to see some of that yeah, this the, week the at Whistling Straits. Yeah, the little cheekiness with the setup of the course. Right. Take a little home field advantage. Yeah, so uh, like the eighth hole, and you're going to get crazy wind directions on this course too. So yeah. like the eighth hole, uh, Daniel Rappaport was is out was out there for a practice, practice round, and McElroy went driver five wood into a par four. So if Rory's hitting driver five wood, like... Uh, some wind coming right at you. Like Morikawa might be able to hit his best drive and his best three wood, and he might not get there. <laughs> So, it, depending on the wind direction, you're you're gonna see some of that. Anyway, let's get to uh, let's get to the first round. So, match one tomorrow, alternate shot in the morning, Spieth and JT versus Rom and Sergio. What do you guys like? I mean, that's that's a pretty marquee matchup compared to you know what we were discussing free of of the fourth one, but that one will be interesting because you got just so much fire and and. and you got you JT know, and Rom, like really, they wear the, it, uh, the two of the most emotional. Like when they do something well, you right. know, and it, that's that's what we like to see. At least at me as a viewer, things like that. Well, and both captains realize the importance of like Hot just start. starting off good and making a statement. Like if Rom go, like for both teams, like Spieth JT, I would think that that's their best team. Rom and Sergio, like number one player in the world, if they go out and lose. That that sends a message to your team, you know. I mean, it's going to be. It's, I think, I think it'll it's be a good two. Match. It's two. It's two pairings that they they're both close with each other. They both probably play very well together. And Sergio, who hasn't played the greatest, is it's a Ryder Cup, so you can just throw out yeah. how Sergio's been playing. He's going to play well. Yeah, he is a little older though, so we'll see. Um, watching the uh, the opening ceremonies right after that, they went to like live from. And Chambly was talking about this match, and he was saying how it's a gamble for Padraic. He's basically gambling on the fact that Ryder Cup Sergio is going to show up because Sergio is statistically the worst putter in this tournament. And there's a whole bunch of holes, depending on how they tee off, whether it's odd or even, that you could have Sergio putting out on like six of the first nine and then like three of the last four which would not the way that you would want to set that up if uh, yeah. yeah you'd rather have rom putting if you if you had to pick if you had between to pick, the two. yeah <laughs> the uh looking at the setup i think 3 of the 4 par 4 par 3s are 
odd holes. So you would think that the stronger iron player, you would want them to tee off on the odd holes. And then four of the five longest holes, I think, are even holes. So you want your stronger driver. Yeah. So for someone like JT and Speed, obviously JT is the longer of the two. They're both good iron players, though. For, so for them, I don't think it matters quite as much. Any Anytime you can get a driver in JT's hands and an iron in Speed's hands, that that's probably the way to go. So it'll be interesting to see how Ron and Sergio tee off there. So um, j- just remind me real quick, since it's been three years, you know, if it was two, I would have remembered. But since the pandemic, there's an extra year. How, do, how does it work? It doesn't just keep flipping back and forth. It does, but shot? it does, but every hole. So it do, if you like four putt, that doesn't change who tees off on the next hole. You alt every guy tees off nine times. Okay, yeah, they switch okay. it that way. So right. regardless of what, how, who finished the last hole, you already know who's teeing off on okay. the next hole. Okay. Um, in match two, you got DJ and Morikawa versus Hovland and Casey. A couple of real smiley guys and a couple of guys don't smile. Right. I think Morikawa might just be a like, cold-blooded killer in a, in a format like this, though. I mean, and I think it sets up perfectly for them for what kind of what we just talked about, yeah. the even and odd holes. You have well, yeah, DJ T off on the long holes, Morikawa T off with, on the par threes and the iron holes. Yeah. <laughs> Those two are going to complement each other very well. Uh, Hovland and Casey are going to be a good team, too. I mean, Hovland drives it as straight as anybody. The only thing I worry about with that pairing, Hovland's, putting. Hovland's chipping and putting. But well, Casey's a good putter. Yeah, you just got to so. hope that it works out to where... Because Hovland will have those double bogey holes, and then he'll have those really good holes. So you just got to hope yeah. that, you know, whatever rotation's in. Uh, match three, which I think is a lock for the U.S. You got the uh, the Florida State pairing. Uh, Kepka and Berger versus Westwood and Fitzpatrick. Which, of anybody in this tournament, Westwood and Fitzpatrick are coming in with probably the worst form of anybody in this tournament. And he puts them together. Which I know there's concerns about Kepka's wrist, but like him and Berger are two of the best iron players out there. And they're just going to be like fairways and greens on these guys all day. Fitzpatrick's not necessarily a very good putter, and neither of them are very long. So Yeah, so you think, I mean, Fitzpatrick's longer than Westwood, though. So to that second pairing, the same type of thing, you might think they try and set up so that Fitzpatrick's. They would, but longer. even if. Fitz tees off. It doesn't really matter if it's Berger or Kepka. Like they're going to be at a disadvantage on all of those holes. Honestly, I thought the line would be bigger on that matchup. Kepka and Berger only minus one fifty. In, in on that. Uh, are, are there any? Well, we you can ask or I can ask you once you start talking about some of this stuff because I feel like no matter what matchups are, there's there's never going to be like a no a and not, slide, obviously like minus two fifty or no something. no because <laughs> it, it's match play and like. People hold a couple twenty five footers. That's that flips everything, right? Mm-hmm. Um, then in match four, which is very interesting, and to me, it really hinges on one player. And you got Cantley and Xander versus Rory and Poulter. Which, if it's not the first matchup, then this one's definitely kind of the marquee matchup of the morning. Yeah, Cantley and Xander are both in pretty good form. Pretty good. I'd say they're both in really, <laughs> like great form right now. Rory and. Eh. And Poulter, not at all. So, <laughs> it they could have picked up a guy off the street over Poulter and probably got the same results. But like we said, like if Ryder Cup Poulter shows up and Poulter starts draining twenty five footers, you know, obviously it's going to be a match. But if like Poulter's not really a great ball striker, Tita Green, 
So, like, obviously for him, Rory's going to be teeing off on the longer holes. You're going to get driver in Rory's hand as much as possible. He's still one of the best drivers in the world. So, to me, it, that match hinges on Poulter. Like, if Poulter brings it, has halfway decent iron game, and they hold a couple putts, like, obviously they can win that match. But if Poulter's not playing well, I think they get housed. You know, for me, Rory McIlroy's got to be the most, and, you know, you can like him or not like him, but the most frustrating golfer to watch because, you know, Tiger Woods obviously all-time of just raw talent of, right. like, when he talks to Rory McIlroy, you watch a lot of his stuff, it's unreal what he can do oh, golfing-wise. Yeah. And then he just he just can, like, fall off the rails completely. Yeah. Aesthetically, I mean, he probably has the, the, the best swing to watch ever but how over the years like we've talked about on this podcast before but like how rory can't consistently figure out hit a hit a wedge near the hole like if he was middle like if he was top 40 in the world from like 50 to 125 he'd be number one in the world and you wouldn't be able to beat him because he doesn't really have off weeks with the driver so i don't know either way i see the u.s leading I don't see a way that they're not leading after this morning session. So what's your prediction? <laughs> I want to be bold and say like Great. four and out. like three and a half to a half or three and one. But I'm going to be modest. I'm going to go two and a half, one and a half. I think they end up losing one and probably half one. But I think they'll have a point lead going into the afternoon. You go on Dark Horse, the, the one match they only lose is the Kepka Burger match and they that's house gonna, the other three. That's not going to happen. They did get off to a hot... So in France... They got off to a hot start. I think they actually swept the morning session in France. Or no, three and one. They won the first three and then lost eight matches in a row. So, like, that's been their downfall. Like, historically, they're actually good in the Friday morning match. It's the second round and third round where they've struggled, where they've allowed, like, Europe to get momentum and, sauce, and get a you lead. Think, at the turn and at night? Highly doubtful. But um, I can't wait. Can't wait to not watch any of it. Just watch it on my phone, basically. <laughs> um, so I got a couple bets. I don't know if you guys looked at. We I know we just talked about just, that yeah, one matchup, and I am going to take Brooks. But a couple that I really like. I actually took the U.S. back in like February at like minus one thirty. They're minus one ninety to win the cup now. Europe is plus two hundred. Two that I like. I like J- betting both JT and Spieth to win the most points for the U.S. They're like plus five hundred and plus six fifty. And the only reason I say that is not only because I think they're playing some of the best golf, but... They're plus 700, plus 800, actually. Oh, well, I got screwed on uh, whatever app I bet that on. <laughs> um, but I think they're going to play the most. Like, outside of Cantley and Shoffley, I think they're the only other ma- pairing that has a chance to play all four matches before singles. So, that's just really thinking that they're going to play the most and probably get, you know... Two, two and a half points out of that at least. Sorry, let me, let me backtrack. Are you saying top point score for the U.S. or total top Just for the score? U.S. Okay, so that was my, those odds were for the total yeah. point score. For the U.S., you are correct. It's a 450. If, if I'm going to take someone on Europe, I think I kind of like Hovland for kind of the same reason. Because him, Rom, Rory are definitely going to play all four matches before yeah. singles. And I feel like Rom and Rory, any way that the Euros can... They're going to get Rom and Rory into the tougher matchups. So uh, I like that. But my my best bet for this tournament is the U.S. to win day three. 
they're minus 160 to win day three singles. And they're just the deeper team all around. And with Europe's top three, four guys probably going to have to play five times in this tournament, Whistling Straits is not the easiest course to walk by all accounts. So some of the, like, those guys are going to be running on fumes by the time you get to Sunday. I mean, if it's close overall in the tournament, it's not really going to matter because you're just going to adrenaline pull adrenaline from somewhere. But at some point, you're going to run out of gas in the middle of that round. And I just think the U.S. will be fresher. Yeah. And I think even if they went in and they did singles day one, I think no matter how you slice it, the U.S. is favored in at least eight of the 12 matches, regardless of how you set it up. Like Even if you assume that Rory, Rom, Hovland are going to be favored, like yeah, the there's no is... way that you slice it that the U.S. isn't favored in like eight of those other nine. Correct. I mean, so. this, you can't think of a pairing that of those other nine guys or the, the other... But yeah, nine guys mm-hmm. that you could be like those two of those nine guys aren't going to be favored against like who's two of the US like guys. Burnt Weisberger is not going to be favored against no. anybody. Doesn't matter who he plays, unless if like Fleetwood and Hatton come out on an absolute heater again. But even then, don't see it. All right. Well, uh, outside of the betting, who you guys got? How do you see this going? And why don't you give us a score? Twenty-eight points total, by the way. Thanks for that. Um, I'm gonna. I mean, you have to go U.S. I can't be like, oh, I think Europe's gonna win. I'm not gonna look like an idiot and just be anti-American or a genius. Or, yeah, or a genius. But you could be a traitor. So yeah, that's don't want to be a traitor. Uh, I'm gonna go USA sixteen to twelve with an impressive, uh, impressive singles day. You know what? I was I like that, and I actually had the same thing. I have US sixteen twelve, and I don't even have it really being that close going in, I think you're going to end up in a situation where they already have it clinched and you have guys like, oh yeah, that, I don't, that's I don't good. want it to be clinched. I want like, that single excitement be, is what I want, even though I mean, don't. I'll miss the portion of it being a Lions game. I want it to be a beatdown. Yeah, because you can't watch all of it. Uh, no, I want I'll it to be a beatdown anyway. This guy's blasting care. you, he's going to be at the Lions game. Yeah, I'm going to be watching it. it tomorrow and Saturday. <laughs> I don't care about TV. These I wanna, guys picked I the same beat, score. I want to see a beatdown. I had it written out. I'm not going to change it just because he picked it. What do you got? Down. What do you got? 16-12. Europe. No. <laughs> Europe. No, I, no, I, um, it's probably going to be, uh, I'll go uh, 15 and a half to 12 and a half. Thir- uh, 13. Wait. No, no that's 12 and a half. You're right. Yeah. I'll take USA only because I just think they have more golfers in form at the t- current time. I agree. Yeah, the bottom p- part of the Europe roster is just from a, if you're com- comparing it, it's just crap. Yeah. Well, it, it, the problem is they have to rely on so many people. Like, they're gonna rely on Hovland, Rory, Rom. But like, at some point, Ser- Sergio, up? Fleetwood, Hatton, Casey, like someone's gonna have to step up, play three of those four matches, and be good. Otherwise, they're gonna get killed. Which is what I want to see. Anyway, all right, let's uh, let's get into our segment here. Uh, well, before we do, time to lose some money. Let's talk about just anything that you guys saw related to week three of college and week two of the NFL. Uh, a lot of injuries in the NFL just come out of nowhere. Ton. Quarterbacks just dropping like flies. The great Tyrod Taylor yep. going down. Carson Wentz. I mean, we saw we all saw that coming. He actually, I, th- I think I read that he actually has like two sprained ankles. 
It's like when I broke, I separated both my shoulders within like three weeks in high school. <laughs> um, couple just random questions I had is like Cincinnati goes on the road, beats Indiana pretty handily. MSU oh, the Pacers. No, he's college. Football. Oh, I think talking about the NFL still. Yeah, the, the Pacers. <laughs> but yeah, um, no, the Bearcats and State. Your Spartans go on the road, just, just house Miami, Pipe City. So that I'm gonna get back to that on one of my other bets because, but I'll we'll get into that. Um, so Cincinnati MSU could be for real, like they look like I mean, they I have think some Cincinnati real Cincinnati is for real. They did get some help with a targeting ejection. Yeah. Like as soon as Indiana lost their linebacker, it was just a completely different game. Yeah, I did see the other day that I'm jumping back to NFL here, but. Uh, Brady and Gronk connected on their 100th and 101st touchdown together, I think. They're cha- about to chase down Peyton and Marvin Harrison. Yeah, they talked about like, that on the, on the, the Monday the, night broadcast. On the, Peyton, on the Manning broadcast. That, that was pretty and sweet. Gronk's like, yeah, but this guy was like an elite receiver. I'm a tight end. Yeah. And they talked about how he, does, how he doesn't watch tape. He just runs by people. He lets yeah, Brady yeah. watch tape. Um, this was from last week, and surprising again that the, the Saints kind of got beat down after beating down Green Bay week one. But uh, Jameis Winston had a throw in that back in that week one that had, it was 50 air yards for a touchdown. Breeze had 9,421 pass attempts without doing that one time. <laughs> so well, it's like after, that after week one, uh, Breeze was saying like, oh, that's what the Saints have been missing, a downfield attack yeah. pretty much. So right. I mean, he, he knows. He knows. Uh a lot of games that were in the NFL, especially in the early slate, they were just like just comfy victories. Where if you bet those games, you're just sitting back, putting your feet up. Like Carolina, Buffalo, New England, Denver, like all just cruising to easy covers and wins. That's what we like to see. Yeah. Granted, I only bet two of those, but yeah, um, if you're betting, you like to see it. Right. All right. So let's get into the uh, time to lose some money segment. For the degenerates out there, why don't you give us the download on last week and the year to date? Yeah, so uh, last week wasn't our best, mm-hmm. especially coming off an absolute heater the we week knew. before. We knew. So the power boiled over. Yeah. Yeah. I was <laughs> two and three last week, but I, I was a Grayson McCall interception away from being three and two or four and one. <laughs> All he had to do was just hand the ball off to someone in the end zone. I was guaranteed a split on my coastal bets. Yeah. And that was heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe you were one and two. In- I was one and two in college, and I don't feel bad about it because I was just flat out wrong in the Miami game, and I'll get to that with one of my bets this week. Definitely, but not. I'm not mad about the Army bet. Fade UConn lives on. Because oh yeah, because we were on the right side of that bet. I didn't even have any money on that game. They were and up, That was a heartbreak. They were up forty-two to nothing, and Cincinnati scored on their last three possessions. To be fair, Army didn't play a single starter after the, the first half. So right. so it ended up 52-10, to 10, didn't cover by two points, and it easily could have covered by... 42-10? Oh, 52-21. 52-21, sorry. And they, they and it could have easily been like 70 to nothing. Yes. And then Bogues was also 2-3. and three. Uh, Overall standings uh, in last place, Dan, and 6-5, and five, a 54%. Is that just time. college? Just college. Okay. I just have just college. I mean... I don't really do any NFL. Kyle's kind of NFL. Uh, I'm in second, nine and six. Okay. And then uh, Bob's still on a heater, eleven and four. Okay. So well, he's on a he's so, on a, he's on a golf trip. So, so uh, including 
the old uh, Vig. Dan's still green. Still in the green. Yeah. Still making money. Still, still positive. So if I did, people have been following us, they've made some money. Winning. Actually, I did lose in the NFL last week. I was wrong about Cleveland. They <laughs> easily should have covered. The Bills was an easy cover. That was my best bet. And then I pulled. Uh, I don't even know what you call this. We need a name for this. But where you do a two-team dip and you lose both. Because <laughs> I did that with Seattle and Pittsburgh, so that was awesome. So that was awesome. Pittsburgh lost, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, I Pittsburgh and Seattle the even basically, and they both lose outright. So love to see it. We'll uh, we'll try to take some like email suggestions and Twitter suggestions of what to call the double dip loser. Yeah, we need a double dip. Just call it the Vegas Dave or something. <laughs> um, okay, so let's get into wait. Speaking of tip dips and teasers, <laughs> did your uh, Monday night one hit? Did you do the three team dip? Like you I mentioned. didn't do it, but would it have hit? Yeah, yeah so it, was, it, hit. it was Packers minus one and a half, yeah, Detroit so plus 21 and a half, and over like 36. Yeah, it would have easily yeah. That would have been perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we don't need to talk about that game because the Lions defense is atrocious. And watching Jamie Collins just get beat to the edge every single time, and then the next day it comes out that they're he's on the trade block. So. Yeah, but I, I texted a buddy who's big in the Lions, and I was like, you know, was this more like professional, or or do, do the like the Lions have like a some some intern that scours the internet and sees all these Jamie Collins comments probably on Twitter? Was like, right. hey, you know, send this up the ladder. We got to check this guy out yeah. because uh, you sent that thing about how awful or slow he was, and I got a text right after that from someone else the same exact thing. But you know, I, I like what Peyton Manning said, and the, you know, that's a a guy very knowledgeable about the game. He's like. I see things here that I like, and the reality is the team is so young, and they're young, and they definitely like they don't have the talent on defense. Like they're not outside g- of the defensive line, they're well, yeah. Everywhere. Well, the linebackers are they're probably have the worst linebacking core in the league, and they their corners already weren't good. Like I have questions about Akuda anyway, but he was already out. They had already lost their third corner. And another guy got hurt. So at one point in the game, they were on their first and fifth corner playing against Aaron Rodgers. And then their number one receiver, who, I mean, it's Tyrell Williams, but he was out. Yeah. He so. sucks. I think no, but I, I know, but that changes matchups. No, I know. Um, You're being very liberal with what a number one receiver is by calling Tyrell Williams. It, on the C- depth chart. Cephas almost, like, overshadowed the OBJ catch. I don't know if you guys saw Oh, that. yeah, the yeah. missed one in the end zone. He was, like, more horizontal than OBJ, and he jumped, like, three feet higher. Yeah, see if it's just, I think it's going to be good. We'll see fastest how. guy in the world, but... Goff still apparently has baby hands and can't hold on to the ball when it's wet at all because he had, like, three fumbles. The whopper guy. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. All right, let's let's uh, let's get into college this week. A lot of interesting games. Uh, who wants to kick us off? I guess I'll, I guess I'll start. Okay. So... Got uh, got five. Always gonna do a five slate. Five plays. Yeah, five college plays. I thought about, and I mean I don't have this. I'm gonna talk about it real quick. I thought about ter- taking Wake Forest just because, I mean they look really good. But then I was like, well let me see what else they played besides Florida State. And they played no one, so I'm not taking anything. The Wake Forest game that line initially jumped out as like, hmm, plus four. Why not? Yeah. Off it. So we'll start with uh, the early game. My earliest play, and this is the one I like the least, back on the Coastal Carolina train. Like it. They're playing UMass, minus 36. Give me it. Coastal Carolina needs to start pummeling teams if they want a chance at a New Year's Six Bowl. 
and UMass may be almost as bad as UConn. So UMass is pretty bad. Going to be laying a huge number, and it's not a good football number. They got to be, you know, over five touchdown winners. Yep. But Coastal Carolina minus thirty six, and then this is the most puzzling line for me. Arkansas, Texas A&M, over 47. This is a service academy total. I don't care that a and M's given up like 12 points this year. Yeah. They've played the 102nd, 123rd, and 130th worst offenses. Okay. Granted, they're a part of that, but Arkansas's offense is pretty damn good. That's yeah, a much better up, team. Than they the, lit up Texas. Yeah, lit up Texas. The SEC is basically turned into the Big 12 of old where no one really plays a ton of defense anymore. Mm-hmm. And I still don't think Texas A&M should be ranked 7th. So let's ride over 47. I'm pretty sure that those teams can score 7 touchdowns. Okay. Yeah, all you need in that one is like uh, like if it's 10 nothing or whatever, you just a turnover, quick score, and all of a sudden the game flips real quickly and it, yeah. it gets rolling. Agreed. Yeah, kind of like the, uh, the Western Kentucky Army over a couple weeks ago where... It was like 0-0 in the first half, then like 28 straight points in like four minutes. Yep. Then we're going to, uh, I think Dan's probably on this. I'm joining Dan on uh, <laughs> Fade UConn and just bet whoever they're playing. Yep. I haven't watched a single Wyoming game this Doesn't year. Doesn't matter. Minus 30 and a half. I got 29 and a half when I took them the other day. Well, if people are on to us, or on the U, I should say, well, it's sorry. driving the line up. I would take it at 36. I would even join them in Coastal Carolina. <laughs> Uh, just some things about UConn. They're starting 14 freshmen. Yep. We already know they don't have a head coach. And then just this last week, they've come out and said they're firing the entire coaching staff at the end of the season. Love it. If they're playing the IMG Academy, I would take the IMG Academy, no matter what the points were there. What they're, I, I bet the money line on IMG. UConn is just not good. They might as well just fold the program. Yep. And then we're going to uh, you know, an old-school favorite of mine and Frank's here. Uh, they're back on offense. Western Kentucky over with Indiana, 63.5. What do you think about Western Kentucky plus 9, though? They're at home against Indiana. So I think. Weird, weird thing, right? Indiana taking Cincy at home and then going to Western Kentucky. Yeah. Indiana, I think, is just going to come out just firing. Balls on fire. Yeah, because they lost a game that they probably could have won because they were playing extremely well in the first half. Yep. The thing is, Western Kentucky's offense does not stop. For anything. Like, they throw the ball 60 times a game. I think I've talked about before where their offensive coordinator came from. Yep. Everything. That's just going to be points, points, points. And West Kentucky has a very poor defense. And mm-hmm. I think Indiana's going to bust at least a couple 50-60 yard touchdown runs. Very poor rushing defense. Last play, Sparty. Minus five at home at night against Nebraska. Nebraska that, is trash. They are trash, but that line just kind of stinks to me. It's like, I feel like... It should be. I think it should be higher. Like, if you watch both these teams play. No, I agree. But I'm, it's just one of those lines where, like, can it be that easy? That, I like agree. How many weeks in a row is our is the market like? Is it is it going to take another blowout for the market to catch up to Michigan State? It might. I mean, there's. And they're at home, and they're at. It's at night. At night, at home, place is going to be. I'm staying rowdy. off that because that in uh, what's his name, Mike Valenti's terms, that line stinks. I mean, it does. But they're, they're playing so well. I mean, they just beat Miami, who is arguably better than Nebraska, by so 21 I'll, points. So I'll get to my point about that game. But, like, continue, but Sparty continue. minus five. Okay. Give it to me all day. All right. Those are the five picks. Those are your picks. Gook, what do you got? 
Gook, so, is, Gook is a nickname for Frank, by the way, so don't be confused. We don't have another person on this pod. It's I just, actually usually like look at Saturday night already at the next week, and yeah. I try to look a week ahead as well, just to, you know, you got to pace yourself, mm-hmm. you know, especially given my history or whatever. Right. That a Thursday night game that you you don't even know next year, you know, you're rooting for the under or whatever. Right. So I, I don't think there's... There's a lot for me personally, um, so I'm, I'm going to rattle off a couple that I, I think are interesting, and then I'll, I'll give a couple plays. I mean, I I like Rutgers plus twenty one. I just another, think another line. I, I just think at. the number is good enough to to you know Michigan, you know maybe they win by three touchdowns and I I uh, you know push or whatever, but I'd rather be on the side of Rutgers than Michigan on that one. So, but before he continues, I'm on Rutgers as well. Uh, the line actually right now I think is twenty and a half, but I got an alternate line at like minus at like minus one twenty. So twenty one. Rutgers and Michigan are both tied for eighth in the nation in rush yards per game given up. So, regardless of who they played, and obviously they both haven't played really any good teams, but. Um, if you stop Michigan's run, we're really going to find out what McNamara is made of or if they put J.J. McCarthy in. So I'll just take the three touchdowns and attribute this line. Like, this line feels a lot more like a like a 14 or a 13 and a half to me. And it just seems like that huge win last week, you know, 63 to 10 or whatever, just kind of overinflated this line. So I agree. I saw it and... That's a huge number for a Rutgers team that's I agree. on their way up. Grant, I'm pretty sure their their starting corner is out for Rutgers. The he two is. players he just is. got arrested. No, so he is. Yeah. maybe that helps Michigan find some sort of passing game. But three touchdowns in a Big Ten game, and when both teams are undefeated, it's not like Rutgers has been playing only FCS teams. Right. The only thing so, that worries me is how they ran it up last week, and like if Rutgers defense doesn't put up a fight and it gets out of hand, then. But that's I agree though. I'm with you on the twenty-one. Go ahead, Goo. Uh, the second one that it's at least worth a look because you know if you just bet to just the games you want to watch and stuff like that, it's a easiest way to lose money. But it, it I. I don't know how Ohio State's laying forty-nine to Akron, and Akron is god awful. I understand that, but it just feels. I agree. Like Ohio's forty-nine for me is Alabama versus Mercer versus. That was fifty-three. It, the, Hit that. But one. The, those teams, you know oh, what I, I mean. I agree. And so, and now I I saw that Stroud isn't playing, and they're just kind of. They they're, they're not the same Ohio State even defense, under Ryan Day. It's just defense, not the same. Their defense is not nearly as good. So. Um, Give, you, give yourself the eight touchdowns that they need to... Yeah. And and then, you know, at the end of the day, when you get such a large number, you know, you can be on the wrong end of it, like Army last week, but it's also the, those garbage teams, you know, the team way up stops playing. You know, Michigan rattled off nine straight touchdowns, which has, you know, created such a, a gap that Northern Illinois can't cover that, but, right. you know, not every team's going to do that. Um, and then the one I... The two I actually like, you know, one thing you learn when you place maybe a wrong wager and you're on the wrong side of it is you, you learn information from it. And uh, you know, San Jose State versus Western Michigan, 
under 62.5 I'm seeing here. I think that's that's definitely the play. San Jose State is actually, for I feel like a couple of years now, they get these high numbers and they play extremely slow. So Western Michigan, very offensively uh, efficient and things like that, but they still can eat up some clock. And, um, you know, you, the game just has to play out accordingly. Last week against Pittsburgh, the game played into the favor of it just gets going, and next thing you know, there's 90 points between the two. So I think that one's just too high. And so I like that one. as it 63 and a half? Uh, yeah, whatever you got it at. No, where did you have it? I, I'm on ESPN, so... You know, me and Kyle Wilson use the same six, book here six, of mine, so don't blast me as 63 well. 63 and a half. Um, no, even better at 63 and a half. And then... Um, it's a good football number if you have the under. I hate doing this because it, when you learn, you know, that, that two and a half, three on the road is always suspect, but Mike Leach's team is awful. Yeah. And LSU, I think, has hit its stride after, you know, a, a bumpy road, and I, I'll gladly lay the points there, or maybe even just go with that money line. Because if, if I'm going to lay two and a half for 110, and if it's three, if I wanted to buy it down, I'm going to lay enough. So yeah. 135 just for them to win. Uh, I like that. And then lastly, I it's it's kind of dicey because it's big there, but I, I just really feel like Wisconsin minus this. If, if it's not seven, I'm not, not a, I'm just looking. I always touch that game with the ten foot. But four. Notre Dame is good, but they're not they're not breakaway good. So, so I so uh, so since that was your last pick. So two I'll, official picks would be LSU minus two and a half. And if, uh, San Jose if you're not comfortable betting the money line, but I would say LSU money line, and then I would say the under of the Western game are the two official picks. Okay, All right, I like it. So to kind of play off your last one there. So I you get you already had two of my picks right. So I'm on Rutgers also at plus twenty one. I am on Wyoming with AJ minus twenty nine and a half, uh, or whatever it is. Doesn't matter. Well, you already locked in twenty nine and a half, so you get that. Okay, and then uh, I bought the half point. I got it at minus one thirty. I'm taking Notre Dame getting the seven in the Jack Cone revenge game. <laughs> okay. So I don't think either team like. Wisconsin's just not a team that blows people out. And I think Notre Dame front seven on both sides, or offensive line front seven on defense is good enough to hold up to what Wisconsin is going to try and do. Like, I think, like, Toledo hung with them. I think that's a bad matchup for Notre Dame. Like, Toledo's a pretty good team, too. But speed-wise across the field, you know, they want to run and shoot max style. Yeah. And Wisconsin's not going to do that. Wisconsin's going to line up in your straight 11 formation, you know, two Just receivers, tight end, two running backs, maybe two full and try backs. and pound it. And I don't think they're going to be able to do that against Notre Dame. So I'll take Notre Dame plus seven. I got Wyoming. I got Rutgers. And then I got two other plays, which are going to kind of counter your uh, your Miami pick earlier. And this is something that I... I, I didn't pick Miami. I'm talking about last week. Oh, but so I something, I, something I something I stumbled <laughs> onto a couple of years ago. You picked them last week. State beat Miami. That, that's what I was talking about. <laughs> Jesus. So something I stumbled onto a couple of years ago. Uh, anyone who bets regularly knows who Lockie Lockerson is, and if you listen to him at all or follow his picks, he has this theory about the the big teams, like the huge recruiting teams, like Bama, Clemson, Ohio State, and Pretty how good is that his theory. Yeah, they're really good. No, but 
they have such talented and such big athletes that it takes a toll on you after you play them. So he loves to bet those teams like the week after you play those teams, bet okay. against those teams. So I would argue that Alabama took Miami's soul and they literally had nothing left by the time they played <laughs> Michigan State. But anyway, so that's kind of the the theme of my next two picks. So North Carolina, I think, similar to your LSU play, North Carolina, I think, has found their stride. Georgia After Tech. Just piping last week. Right. So Georgia Tech yeah. played decently against Clemson last week. So you got UNC going into Georgia Tech. I'll take UNC minus 12.5 at Georgia Tech. I think people are going to be on Georgia Tech. That line might even go down a little bit. Well, I think UNC, because they shit the bed the first week, they're going to kind of fly under the radar Free here. And easy. You yeah. might be able to right. to get some good lines on UNC. And then uh, and that Georgia Tech team is a disaster. Right. That's another team where the, the coach is a complete idiot. <laughs> is it still Paul Johnson? No, they got rid of him, <laughs> and they're no longer the option. And oh. it's like it's like his third year, and they're just they're bad. So, so I'm on USC, and then my la- I was tempted to do the same thing with Florida and take Tennessee plus the 19. No, Florida's a good fucking team. I, they are, and they, but so I'm not gonna do that. I'm not staying off that one, but I might end up betting it if it gets to like 20, 20 and a half. But anyway, my last official play is along that same theme, and it's probably stupid because Ohio State's not the same team that they have been, but Tulsa. Played Ohio State last week, so I'm going to take Arkansas State plus 14 this week at Tulsa. And those are my five college just, plays. Just be ready for Arkansas State to go 80 yards and then fumble on the on the, on the three one yard line and stuff like that. That team's known for that. That's good Sun Belt team right just there. Just make sure. Uh, I, I'm I'm just I'm already looking forward to the next week because Ole Miss plays Alabama. That's a good last year's nice. game was insane. <laughs> this year's game is going to be even crazier. So what about do you have any NFL plays, Coop? Um. Because I have a couple. Why don't I do mine first and then? So no NFL plays here. I'm I'm a little ups I'm a little worried because I feel like I have a huge like a great handle on the slate this week and I could, <laughs> and I could play like seven games but I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> um, Says so I'm now. I'm gonna buy the Chargers to, from six and a half to seven. It might even get there by the time the game by the time game time. But I'm gonna take Chargers plus seven minus one thirty. Uh, at the Chiefs. Chiefs are one of like five teams who haven't covered yet this year. I think they have some concerns on defense, and I'm taking the Chargers to kind of bounce back after just a rough, um, one of the worst officiated games I've seen in a while. I don't know if you guys watched that Cowboys-Chargers game, but there was like 15 penalties total in the second quarter or something like that. It was un- it was unwatchable. That's why you went to the golf. Right. <laughs> um, my other play is... Uh, even though Justin Fields is starting this week, I don't think the Browns can hang with the offensive and defensive line of the Brown or the Bears can hang with the offensive defensive okay, line. Okay, I was of the like, Browns. what? Well, it's like what because you're just sitting on your phone, not even listening. I'm putting our picks and I am listening. Like, I, I so clearly heard him say you thought so the Bears were going to hang so with the Browns. So I'm going to take Browns minus seven. Okay, I like that against the Bears, and then my dip of the week. Dip of the week. Dip of the week. Uh, we got to get some sound effects in here. Sponsored anyway, by uh, Wintergreen Grizzly. <laughs> <laughs> right. <of> <laughs> um, Bills to minus two, Ravens to minus one and a half. 
So what you want to do is the opposite of that because those are both going to lose out. The right? Ravens are not. If anyone has time tonight, like this pod is not going to be out, but my lock of the week that I'm already on is a Panthers-Ravens money line parlay. Hmm. Easy money. Carolina is playing against David Mills, who is the character from seven, not a quarterback in the NFL. <laughs> He's the head in the box. And the Lions defense is so bad, like Lamar Jackson might run for 180 yards. He might throw for 500 yards. Yeah, so that that's what I got for the NFL. Yeah, for me, I, I I'm like AJ that like it doesn't they can, these teams have identities in the NFL, but like you never know based off matchups. Where college is more of like week to week, you know what you're gonna get or at least attempt to get. Yeah, if if they're inept. Uh, so I was just trying to look at something that I might. I always take stuff I don't like. Like it's no, difficult I, for me to like take the under of something yeah. and then I just do it and, and just go from there. Um, I like to do that in college. The, the one thing I cannot understand is how the Titans are minus five still. I thought like that was the line with once questionable. Like I, I Jacob Easton, I mean, it's a terrible situation for him to come in late in the game, but he just looked awful. Yeah. Um, and the Titans came out with a huge win on the road in Seattle. But huge win. like anything else, in the NFL, it doesn't really matter. Right. All the Steelers are minus five. Oakland just had a huge Monday night game. They got to travel, and then it didn't matter. So, Oakland yeah. wins that game with zero running game. I think you know, David yeah. Carr was their leading rusher for like seventy five percent. He of also the has already over eight hundred yards passing. He's he's really good. But um, you know, so my advice really would be for people who like to bet the NFL is just don't. It's just not don't not ever. literally not literally take the opposite. Not think. Oh, I like the over, so I'm going to take the under. Just right. look at the stuff and be like, "Well, I wouldn't enjoy taking this," and then take that. I agree. I love doing that. <laughs> I mean, I don't love physically doing it. It hurts me, but that—that's yeah. how you win money, honestly. All right. I mean, you got anything else, AJ? Well, let's go App State. I don't give a shit about that. I am so locked in on this Ryder Cup, like that. I'm not going to watch any of it tomorrow. Except on my phone in a golf cart. I'm going to watch but, it all. All right. Well, the sun down. Thanks, boys, for coming on. Uh, good luck with everybody's bets this weekend. Let's uh, let's enjoy the Ryder Cup. Hopefully you guys are getting out and playing some golf. And uh, you know what to do. Keep it under 100. Young Guido, do it. When you grab all your buds and you about to hit the links When you take out a club and you about to hit a swing What you gon' do? Shit, what you mean? Keep it under, keep it under, under hundred 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 We keep it under, a hundred